Hello, everybody. Welcome back to 101. Today's episode is brought to you by... I think that's the fastest intro I've ever done going into a sponsor. And that's because I want to talk about who I have on today. His name is Mark Bunker. He is a Scientology critic, and he is part of the Clearwater City Council. So you know, really, I wanted to take advantage of the fact that I have someone who is on the city Council of Clearwater. I want to talk about, you know, what is Clearwater trying to do with Scientology? And we did. And I'm so excited to share that with you guys. So Mark Bunker, thank you so much for coming on here. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And everybody get ready, get set. It is Mark Bunker. Hello. Hey, Mark. Hi. Good to have you on here. Thank you so much for, seriously, thank you very much for coming on here and uh, joining the roster of uh, Ron Miscavige and uh, Aaron Smith-Levin. It's, uh, you know, when I reached out to you initially, I was like, this is something that I'm very passionate about. And, uh, you know, I want to talk to as many people as I possibly can. So you're definitely one of the 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 top people that uh, are were on my radar because of uh, Leah Remini's show. Um that's uh, really been the introduction to a lot of these um, folks that I want to talk to because that show, and I'm sure that you've realized this, like this show has has really crossed and touched a lot of people that really had no association with what Scientology was, and and uh, you know it it really opened a lot of people's eyes to the whole um, uh, you know anti Scientology and. Uh, um, so just thank you so much for, for coming on here. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're a busy, busy person cause you're on the city council, which is something that is something I'm fascinated by. And I just definitely want to delve into that. So. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on and Leah Remini and Mike Rinder have really done something amazing with, uh, Scientology in the aftermath and they're going to continue, uh, working together in future projects as well. So that's very exciting. Very exciting. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, um, Her show and HBO's uh, Going Clear, those were game-changing uh, broadcast events for the world of Scientology. Absolutely. I mean, um, what, okay, so where did, uh, because I know that you were, you were featured throughout, because I'm actually not completely caught up with the show because I want to take my time with it, and because I know it's only three seasons, so I don't want to binge it, and and it's suddenly sure. over. Um, so the first episode that I actually saw with you on was when it was you, uh, Tony Ortega, and for, uh, forgive me, the other gentleman, I forget his name. Uh, boy, I, I'm blanking right now, too. And he's, <laughs> he's a major BBC broadcaster. That's right. Uh, yes. Yes. He's the uh, he's the broadcaster that did the, uh, the, the I can hear I can hear him shouting. <laughs> at, uh, at Tommy, uh, Tommy Davis right now. That's right. Um, uh, this is the problem with being 64 years old. <laughs> Names are not at my fingertips the way they used to be. Well, all right. It's me... so embarrassing. Let's uh, see here. I got trusty Google. We all, we all know who we're talking about. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. We, people. 
Yes. Um, so that was the first episode that I believe that you were featured on, correct? Yeah, yeah. We we had a short segment uh, in that show talking about uh, John Sweeney. Thank you. John Sweeney just there, came to my mind. There we go. I, I knew if I'd stop thinking about it, it would pop in there. Um, so we had to talk, uh, talk uh, in this one segment about uh, members of the media and how Scientology has viciously gone uh, uh, out to to destroy them whenever possible. Um, but it's it, it wasn't until season three that I really had um, a, a larger uh, appearance on the show. That was the two parters about Clearwater, Florida, where I'm once again living. Yes. And as you mentioned, where I'm now sitting on the Clearwater City Council. Yes. And um, what I loved about that first episode, because I'm familiar with the other episodes that you talked about, because um, not that long ago, a buddy of mine who is uh, very much into this as well, we actually took a road trip because I live about, I would say it took us about roughly two hours to get to Clearwater. So I'm a, I'm a little ways north of you right now. Um and uh, we just took a little road trip down there because he knew I was fascinated by this and I wanted to see the buildings and I wanted to see what that environment was like, you know? Yeah. And um, so then when we got there, he was like, and right here. So we went over to the park where that's, I guess, like the infamous moment where um, and I don't know the context of it, but I know that the the police were called and and uh, you were asked to leave and all oh, the little park bench. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was yeah, like, and, and the police get a bad rap for that and, and they don't deserve it. Um, we weren't showing or trying to show how the police are in Scientology's pockets. We were trying to show the influence that Scientology has in the city. Um, and that's because Scientology is unstoppable in making their requests and being a nuisance. Um, so the Church of Scientology knows that this injunction that was put in place originally back in 99, and then my name was added to it, I think, in 2000 uh, or 2001. I'm not really sure. Eventually, there were 13 names added to this injunction. That was supposed to prohibit, it, prohibit picketing uh, at certain Scientology locations. And Scientologists were not allowed to picket at the Lisa McPherson Trust, which was this little watchdog group that we set up in Clearwater, Florida, right next door to Scientology's Office of Special Affairs, the Dirty Tricks Department. Um, and the judge uh, decided in this case that uh, it would be good to have zones where you can peacefully uh, picket. So you'd have to stand across the street from Scientology's properties. And he marked off a number of properties like the Fort Harrison Hotel, which is the first property that they purchased when Scientology snuck into town under a phony name back in 1975. And um, the Sand Castle, which is another resort they have on the opposite end of their campus, uh, where and these are places where the uh, uh, high-paying public members of Scientology will come to do courses. Uh, but right across the street from the Sandcastle, what used to be an in-and-out burger joint, um, I believe, or or something similar to that, might be Sonic, 
Um, but it was right on the corner across the street from there. Uh, Mike Rinder says that David Miscavige had an office that looked out at the In-N-Out Burger and he just didn't like it there. So they purchased that, that property and just turned it into a grassy park, uh, which now they use every Christmas for their winter wonderland, which is one of their big ongoing um, activities where they try to safe point Scientology to say, look at all the good things we do. Don't listen to all those stories about people being ripped off and abused, families being torn apart. We've got the winter wonderland. Bring the kids to see Santa. Uh, so the rest of the year, it's, it's just a park with a couple benches in it. Um, so as part of the show, uh, Leah and Mike said, well, let's see what happens if we go someplace that's not on the injunction. How will Scientology respond to that? So I sat on a bench in that park. And very quickly, uh, we had, I think, three squad cars show up. Um, and I don't blame the police for this. It looks embarrassing on camera because, uh, you know, the police shouldn't be called at all to this thing um, because we were doing nothing wrong. But, um, uh, what happens is uh, Scientology keeps making calls, making calls, saying you've got to get out here and do something about this. They're breaking the law. They're breaking the injunction. And the officers who show up at the scene, they don't know. They don't, uh, you know, they're not looking at all the rules of the injunction. They're just told that somebody's trespassing. And when they show up and are confronted with this, and also confronted with the TV uh, camera crew and beloved TV star Leah Remini, that makes them go, well, we better call the boss about this. So you wind up with what seems like overkill to just address a guy sitting on a park bench. Yeah. Um, and and that's, uh, that's the way Scientology managed, manages to intimidate and control a lot of people in the city just being relentless like the Terminator. You respond to us, you respond to us now. This is the way they're, they're trained in Scientology to communicate with one another. Every Scientologist th goes through a course that teaches you how to control people and how yourself to be controlled at the same time. Um, and it, it's all just a, a fascinating subject. And, and one that I started looking into back in 1998, and started showing my face and speaking out publicly in 99 and um, moved to Clearwater in 2000 to work with the Lisa McPherson Trust. And that ended in 2001, at the end of 2001, where I moved to San Diego and spent 10 years in TV news at a couple of different stations there. And then in 2013, I came back to Clearwater. That is the long-winded explanation of of how I'm here and why I'm here and how I got to that park bench. Uh, but it was a fascinating show and I'm so glad that Leah and Mike did a two-parter about Clearwater. Well, that seems like, uh, you know, it, it, it probably definitely just made for really good television, right? That's, I think it, it I think it did. Um, and it's amazing how, this type of exposure 
can reach people in ways that uh, in the past was impossible. Before the internet, Scientology was able to silence one journalist who was writing a story. They were able to sue one magazine or newspaper and frighten everybody else from publishing uh, stories about them. They can't do that anymore. The internet has opened up all this information for everybody to see. And in the last 10, 10 or 15 years, uh, there have been, uh, you know, the floodgates have been opened to people telling their stories, uh, producing shows the way Leah did. And it's been a remarkable sea change. And, uh, you know, I have to thank Leah Remini uh, uh, for, um, you know, getting me elected to the Clearwater City Council, because during our interview for those those episodes, this wasn't shown in the series. There was, we talked for quite some time uh, for the interviews uh, uh, for the show. Uh, but at one point, uh, Leah said something like, Mark, it, uh, or, or said, um, if only somebody would run for office and then she and Mike turned to me in unison and went, Mark. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay, I get the hint. <laughs> but it, it was something I was thinking about from the moment I, I moved back here. So that was uh, the catalyst for saying, okay, time to get off my butt and do it. Did you? Did and you, I'm, I'm glad I did. Did you feel compelled to do that because you felt like doing that would actually be more of the more of a method, I guess you could say, of getting something done versus what you had done prior? Because what you had done prior was, you know, featured in that first episode because you had, um, like, you were filming, right? You had done a lot of filming. Like, you had, you were trying to, uh, you know, really expose them. And uh, did you feel like maybe if you got elected, you could actually use that, um, that, that, that background that you had to your advantage? Definitely. I mean, since the, the time I moved here originally in 2000, I would go before the uh, the city council and uh, talk about these things in the three-minute moment you have for uh, citizens to be heard. So if there was something important going on in the world of Scientology, I would get up and kind of educate the uh, people on the council and the mayor and the people watching online about what was happening and saying we should do something about this. You know, this is all happening here in Clearwater. Uh, it's up to you to, to take action. And of course, uh, no one really did. Um, and I have to say that I've been inspired since 2016 when, uh, Trump was elected, and the next day, you had millions of women marching on the, in the streets all across the country and around the world. Then a lot of women ran for public office two years later and won. And then we had the Parkland shootings here in Florida, where you know another one of these tragic uh, high school shootings. You, I woke up and looked at the looked at the news and said, "Oh God, I don't even want to watch this because it's going to be the same coverage, the same thoughts and prayers from politicians, and nothing being done." 
But then the kids themselves stood up and said, we're going to take action if you won't. And they went to the state house and they got some laws changed and they were incredibly inspirational. So we're seeing that movement now where people are saying, all right, I guess it's time for me to get off my ass and make a difference. Um, and I'm encouraging people to do that. Uh, you can you can stand outside and, and tell the council, here's what you should do. Or you can become part of the council and push for change. Now, it's early in my run here. I've only been in office for a couple of months. And I've, uh, in one of the few times I've actually brought up an action so far in a work session, I've asked that we check into potential racketeering by Scientology here in the city. And I could not get anyone else, the mayor or the city council, to agree with me that we should reach out to the FBI to investigate this. I don't know if you or your listeners are, are aware of what's been happening here since 2017, uh, but Scientology has been doing the exact same thing they did back in 2015 when they snuck into town. They used a phony name and a bag load of money to buy property when they snuck here into Clearwater. And in 2017, because they were denied the purchase of a piece of land um, next to a, um, a, a condo that they wanted to put in a pool there for the condo. The, David Miscavige, the leader of Scientology, cut off all communications with the city and said, I'll wait for the next city council and get a better deal from them. But he had promised in in exchange for getting the property he wanted, he had promised the the uh, council and the mayor and the people in the city that he would personally revitalize the downtown. By keep in mind, since 1975, the reason the downtown has been dead has because of has been because of the presence of Scientology. Uh, but he suddenly decided that he and Tom Cruise were going to be able to lure in a movie theater chain. Uh, they'd open up a nightclub. They bought two blocks of the downtown for that. Uh, and then individual Scientologists, all of this in secret, started buying up every remaining property downtown, sometimes buying uh, uh, buying properties that weren't even for sale at two to four times what they were uh, evaluated as. Um, and this was uncovered about a half a year ago by Tracy McManus, a reporter for the Tampa Bay Times, who really understands Scientology. This was a front page story that traveled around the world, how Scientology bought the city, which isn't entirely accurate, but it's, it's pretty close to, to what's happened. Um, and, and when it was revealed, you know, the mayor and the city council were going, Oh, oh, wow. Jeez, that's that seems funky. Yeah, something's going on here. I, I don't know what. And we haven't found out yet. So I made that an issue in the campaign. 
and I was trying to lay out how uh, this is a, a, you know, a violation of the RICO Act because David Miscavige created a problem for downtown that only he could solve. He, he went out because he couldn't get his way. He bought all these properties and let them sit there dormant um, as we're trying to spend $65 million plus to revitalize the downtown with a beautiful new park. Um, so he, he essentially said, hey, do what I say. I'll make your dreams come true. And when we didn't, he said, oh, nice little downtown you got here. Be a shame if something happened to it. Um, so now he's kind of dictating the future of the city. We need to get to the bottom of this. If he created this problem for us that only he can solve, well, that, that's racketeering. Wow. And the FBI should be looking into this. Um, I couldn't get the city to act on it. Uh, but that's not stopping me from talking to the FBI or individuals anywhere, anyone around the country is able to, to ask the FBI to look into a situation. Why do you... uh, and if they have any inside information on any type of crimes that Scientology has committed, uh, that should be forwarded to the proper authorities. Why do you think it was? Why do you think it was um, turned down by? by everyone that you uh, offered it to or, or brought it to them? Well, I can't speak for them, um, but there is a tendency to say, hey, it's a religion. There's nothing we can do about it. They're considered a religion. Um, and you see that excuse being used by judges uh, and officials everywhere you look. I mean, it's the same response that Clearwater got back in the 70s when um, when the mayor at that point, Gabe Casares, actually reached out to state and, and uh, federal authorities and were told, um, are they going to come after us? You think they'll attack us? It's a religion. I, and, you know, we, we can't do anything about it. Well, a few years later, they actually did raid, the FBI raided Scientology's headquarters in Washington, D.C. and, and uh, Los Angeles. And they uncovered tens of thousands of documents that showed systematic abuse of the law. Uh, and 10 top officials from Scientology went to prison at that time for bugging the FBI, stealing documents from the FBI and the IRS, or I'm sorry, bugging the IRS rather, uh, stealing documents from all these federal agencies and trying to take over the city of Clearwater, running covert operations against Mayor Gabe Casares uh, to ruin his political career. And countless, countless attacks, which were all written out orders from Scientology, checked off by all the people who did them. So it was undeniable that they were a criminal organization at that point. Since then, they have uh, said they've changed their ways, uh, which means they've stopped putting everything in writing uh, with their uh, own department and hired attorneys 
hire PIs to do a lot of dirty work. Um, but they're still up to the same type of games they always have been. Um, and we should be aware of how Scientology operates. And we should try to do something about it. It's just not easy. It's something that the city or our police department can't handle. But if people have, especially if people have left Scientology recently, in the last couple of years, and they have information, they should be talking to the authorities. They should be contacting the FBI or, or um, if there's, like it's been a long tradition and not a tradition. It's it's the 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 rules in Scientology that anyone who's here on a work visa, and that's uh, a lot of the Sea Org members. Um, their uh, their visas are held by Scientology, so they don't have their passports on them. Uh, they can't pick up and leave if they want to. Uh, they're essentially being held. Their passports are being held, so they are being held. Um, and that's against the law. And somebody should be doing something about it. So we're trying to bring these things to the right authorities' attention and see what can be done about it. See, when I had um, um, when I had Aaron Smith Levin on, I um, because we had gotten into, I guess, talking about something similar like this, and I was um, just throwing out an idea of it's amazing to me how there is no video evidence of of what's been claimed against Scientology in terms of David Miscavige being abusive, in terms of just the physical abuse that is you know endured there. You know, when you watch Leah's show, you hear. A lot, and Mike Rinder talks about this a lot. The hole, the hole, this this sure. place that sounds literally like a living hell, and uh-huh. there is no video evidence of this. So I asked Aaron um, if if this were to come out, if there were to be video evidence of something like this, because that's you know video evidence is you know the strongest case that you can have against anything. And I mean, for everyone listening, we're we're about two weeks out from. The unfortunate, you know, murder of uh, of of an of an innocent black man who was filmed, right? And that is going right. to be crucial in the trial against those police officers. So, video evidence is so vital when it comes to trying to prove a point. If video evidence were to come out about Scientology, would that be enough to take it down? And Aaron said no, but I'm curious to know what your opinion is. Well, first off, uh, you're unlikely to have video evidence of something like that. Uh, the the horrific death of, of George Floyd was out in public. There were people watching with cameras on their phones. Not everyone who uh, works in Scientology Sea Org has a phone. They're not allowed to phones uh, essentially um and if like all the all the people who've come forward including mike to say that um they were beaten by david miscavige nobody has video of that people are afraid to speak up for fear that they're going to be labeled an sp or pts if they react negatively when they say uh, see David Miscavige beating someone. They're not going to be 
filming him, even if they could, because they rationalize it to think, well, this is for their greater good. Mike must have done something that, uh, that prompted that, or otherwise our leader would not be treating them this way. Uh, you become a prisoner of your own mind. Yes. And yeah, it would be wonderful if we had, uh, you know, a two-hour compilation we could uh, book for a, a theater in the area. I, I think we could get a good crowd for that. But uh, unfortunately, um, you don't have that. What we have and what I've tried to provide over the decades is to show an example of Scientology behavior in public. Like, um, I think I was the first person to capture <clears throat> anyone doing um, uh, bull baiting, which is a training routine that you learn in Scientology. Part of that mechanism I talked about before, where you learn how to control people and how to be controlled. One of the training routines that every Scientologist does is uh, one Scientologist will sit in the chair and the other one will be standing over them trying to provoke them, uh, saying horrible things to them, trying to get a reaction. And the Scientologist who's taking the beating is supposed to be able to not react. They're supposed to stay so stone-faced and be able to handle the situation. Then they reverse roles. Um, and the person who was attacking is now being attacked. So you, you train yourself how to do that. Um, and that's used in something also called a, a gangbang sec check, where you know the e-meters. And I hope that I'm not boring you to tears with all this detail about stuff. No, this is um, this is the stuff that I find fascinating, and I know a lot of people find it fascinating. So yeah, so you, you got the e-meter, which is this religious artifact made by 12-year-old kids in the Sea Org. Um, this electronic device, which is like a primitive. Uh, uh, primitive uh, lie detector. Uh, Scientologists hold on to a couple metal cans with a little charge running through it, and there's a needle that moves. Well, um, you use that for your confessions, but then uh, they can do a security check or a sec check where they sit, sit you down and grill you about some crimes that you may have committed, like, have you ever had a negative thought about L. Ron Hubbard? If the needle moves, boy, you're in trouble. Um, and to get information out of you, sometimes they'll have several people in the room coming at you. What are your crimes? Come on, confess. What uh, did you did you kill someone? What? Um, and it's sheer insanity trying to overwhelm you. Well, I encountered that very early on in L.A. when I took my camera down to. L. Ron Hubbard Way, a little street that's been paved in cobblestone and named for Hubbard in front of uh, Big Blue, which is uh, the former uh, Cedars of Sinai, was it? Uh, uh, hospital uh, in, uh, in L.A., now uh, one of the big centers. So I went down there and I had three Scientologists saying, what are your crimes, Mark? Come on, spit them out. What are your crimes? Uh, do you, uh, well, one, uh, Dan Mernon uh, actually said, did you kill anyone? Uh, and then they accused me of, of uh, liking little boys and all these things, just trying to provoke me so that I would lash out and maybe 
physically uh, touch them so they could call the police and have me arrested. Well, I, I've never gone through any Scientology processing, processing, but uh, I am a natural OT, an operating Thetan. I can remain calm no matter what they, they threw at me. And uh, so it was the first time that people around the world had a chance to see, what is this madness? Somebody took that video years ago and put it on YouTube before I started a YouTube channel and called it Scientology Crazy Followers. And I think that's been seen by a couple million people at this point. Um, so that's what I started to do when I got a camera. At that point, there was no YouTube back in 99. Uh, but I had editing, editing equipment. Um, and I thought, well, here's how I can help. I'm not the most brilliant writer, but I can shoot video and edit video and put that up on the web. So I started doing that. and. Uh, shortly after that, I think they came to picket my home. Two Scientologists showed up, Dan Bernan, one of the people uh, saying, what are your crimes? And another Scientologist came to picket my home um, up in the Los Feliz Hills. And I took my camera out and did a little interview with them. And I said, well, as long as they know where I live and they know my name, I might as well not be afraid anymore. So I put that on the web and decided to create my own website at that point, Xenu TV. So that was how I started. And I just find it a, a fascinating subject. You oh. know, I was never a member. Um, I don't have any family members who are members. Um, I, I just find it this unique blend of science fiction, cults, and Hollywood uh, that intrigued me. And the more I learned about it, the more shocked and outraged I can I became about you know how they behave, not yeah. the individual Scientologists, but the organization. Yes, the because that's the thing, right? That's the thing. I feel like you know this this coverage of Scientology is um, not every single person in Scientology is bad. That's a right. That's a of course that, not. That's a stigma that I think a lot of people. If you see Leah's show, if if you go on, you know, any YouTube channel that is dedicated to Scientology, if you read Ron's book, all these countless books, you know, I think you might actually think every single person in Scientology is bad. And that's not necessarily true. It's it's they think that what they're doing is the best thing possible. They think that it's funny because they call it clearing, right? Like like they they want to clear the world. And right. it it's just a funny thing to say because that like even that sentence doesn't sound right. It sounds like <laughs> they want to get rid of everybody, you know, uh -huh. but um, right. it is funny that, you know, cause I mean, I understand why they call it clear and they want everybody to go clear. And um, so, but not everyone's bad. So it is interesting because you are the first person that's been on the podcast that was not into Scientology. So you have a different perspective of, you know, you were someone that was like me and you found out about this and it sort of bit yeah. you. And but now you've taken it to the literal extreme where you are headquartered where it is headquartered and it's a constant fight. And have you ever seen David Miscavige? That's something that I definitely wanted to ask you. Have you ever seen him personally, like face to face? Uh, uh, well, um, I have seen him, but I have uh, had a hard time getting any videotape of him. 
he did come to a court hearing one time in the uh, in the Lisa McPherson death case. Lisa McPherson was a young woman who was leaving Scientology. I think she was 35 at the time. She had written back to some friends in Texas uh, that she was coming home finally. Um, and she got into a little uh, minor car accident and started walking down the street, taking off all of her clothes. And when a paramedic arrived on the scene, she came up to Lisa and said, why are you doing this? And Lisa said, I need someone to pay attention. I need help. Um, they took her to Morton Plant Hospital, not far away from uh, the uh, Fort Harrison Hotel. And within an hour, 10 Scientologists, some of which I encountered quite frequently um, in Clearwater back in 2000. Um, these people came and, and talked her into checking herself out and they took her back to the Fort Harrison Hotel where she was kept under guard for the last 17 days of her life. And at, at the end of her life there, she died um, being watched over by Scientologists who were following L. Ron Hubbard's bizarre policy for people with psychotic breaks. Don't talk to them, no matter what you do, don't respond. Uh, and there were people who didn't even speak English watching over her and her conditions deteriorated every single day of her stay there until she died. Uh, so there was one uh, court hearing that I know uh, Miscavige was at, and I attended that. Uh, I went outside afterwards to try to get some videotape of him exiting the building, and I, I did get Mike Rinder, who was in at the time, and Marty Rathman, who was another top executive. But Miscavige decided he's going to sneak out the back door so he didn't have to come near my camera. Of course. Uh, and I did try uh, a few years ago when he was doing a grand opening of a new ideal org in, um, where was it? Uh, not Seattle, Portland. There we go. Uh, Portland ideal org. Uh, I snuck into town without telling anyone using some frequent flyer miles I had left over. And I went the day before to where they're holding the outdoor event. I went to a little outing goods store right across the street and talked to the manager and said, is it okay if I go up to the second floor tomorrow and have my camera peering through the window to get some footage of David Miscavige speaking? And he said, absolutely, sure. And the next day I arrived down the scene and I, I, as I was walking through the doorway to the sporting goods store, I heard a voice go, Mr. Bunker? And I turned around, it was a Scientology security guard who was really startled. And he ran off and alerted people that, that I was there. Um, and they had the police come in and actually come up to the second floor there and search my bags, being told that I had a bomb in my camera bag. Wow. Um, and then they chased me all around the area during the event as I was trying to find another place to, to shoot. And I eventually found myself on, on the top of a uh, apartment complex, like a, a kitty corner uh, block away from it. So I had some video of him, but they turned the microphone down low enough where you couldn't actually hear 
what Miscavige was saying. He's that frightened of uh, being caught on camera. It's amazing. I could hear everything else at the event. I could hear the introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, chairman of the board, David Miscavige, yay! And then he walks out and suddenly silence. Um, so yeah, he's pretty paranoid about about uh, his own personal privacy. Because he gave what he gave. Uh, he's only given one major interview, and that was back in the the early nineties, right? On that ABC. Uh, yeah, uh, um, on camera. Uh, that's uh, uh, David Cop. Uh, Ted Koppel on uh, Nightline. Yes. Um, yeah, and it did not go well. No, it uh, did so, not. No, it definitely did not. It was the polar opposite of well, and that probably yeah. what that was like. That was it. Like after that, he just he was like, okay, f- from here on out, it's it's only what I want the public to know about. Because after that, I mean, really, unless he's you know going, he did he he did a print interview with the. Uh, Tampa Bay Times a uh, few years back. Um, but I, uh, I think that's about the extent of it. Yeah. Unless he's, you know, opening a new church, quote unquote church, or he's uh, launching the Scientology network. Um, you know, that's pretty much all you see of this man. And, you know, it, yeah. it's bizarre to me that he's not, if I was David Miscavige and I knew what people thought, because there's no way he doesn't know what people think about it. You know, I understand that they don't really care about, they don't necessarily need everybody on board. Um, But I would want to maybe, you know, come out and be like, okay, look, and, you know, here's what's going on. And, you know, even if it's lies, because, I mean, let's be real, he's not going to say, yes, I've hit people. So he'll come out, (laughs) he'll come out, right? And he'll, you know, he'll tell a lie. But hey, I mean, at least he came out and he was talking. It's the fact that he hides and, like you said, sneaks out the back door, and it's not helping at all. It's, I mean, they're like they're making it really bad for themselves. Well, really, I mean, that's that's their Achilles' heel. They they can't actually operate openly. Um, you know, David Miscavige cannot give an interview. He's deathly afraid of being deposed in a court case. So it's nearly impossible to uh, hit him with a subpoena. Um, yeah, he, he's in he's in hiding, but not hiding as effectively as L. Ron Hubbard did for the last 10 years of his life when his wife went to prison for Hubbard's crimes. Uh, and Hubbard just uh, let her uh, sit in prison while he fled and, and was never seen again, except by a tiny handful of people like David Miscavige, who used to do weekly trips out to uh, Hubbard's hiding spot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if if there was nothing shady going on, he could he could freely come out and talk. <laughs> but at this point, He's watching things melted down around him, and uh, he's just trying to keep things afloat as long as he can. But with the internet, uh, uh, you know, they're they're dwindling every day. Yeah, yeah. Like I, this is something I've talked about a lot. There, I find it hard to believe people are actively searching out. You know, because again, when I went down there a few weeks back, um, or actually probably close to a month back, but. 
you know, we were walking down those streets and my buddy was like, you know, we were, you know, doing the social distancing thing, but he was like, just so you know, this, this is not because of COVID-19. Don't, don't like, don't think that this area is per- <laughs> it, like, is pretty like vacant because of COVID-19. This is typically how it is. And that blew my mind. I was like, this is such like, this is such a beautiful spot here. And there's literally no one walking around except for, you know, a few people like him and I. And then, of course, we would come across countless Sea Org members and just because uh, I assume they're Sea Org members, right? They're like they're just walking around. If they're walking around in their uniforms. Yes. Um, yeah. OK. And uh, like the buses that like would just uh-huh. take people and then pull off and then just kind of disappear behind a wall and. It, it, it's just, it's such a shame. And I mean, you probably feel this more than I do because I, you know, I take it, you love clear water. Like that's why you live there. And this is probably really something that is uh, upsetting to you, right? Because it's, it's definitely just putting a bad taste in everyone's mouth. You know, when I was there, I, I just had an eerie feeling like I was being watched. And of course you have all these cameras around everywhere. So it's just a very. Well, we're trying to turn that around. I mean, the, there's part of downtown is coming back to life slowly. That's good. Uh, so we're seeing more activity on two of the blocks. Uh, we still have the problem where the people feel the downtown really is just for Scientology, uh, and they don't want to come down there. Then mm-hmm. there are other people who just don't realize there are things down there that that have no connection to Scientology. There are some great restaurants um, that are starting to really flourish. Um, We've done recently in the last uh, uh, month or so, we've blocked off to those two blocks from traffic and allowed uh, the the restaurants to put tables and chairs out on the street itself to expand their, uh, their seating capacity during this you know, COVID-19 period. And that's been a huge success. Um, so I've been down there with Aaron Smith Levin recently. Uh, and the uh, place has been hopping with live music and, and lots of folks enjoying the downtown. So we're going to uh, hope for more and more of that. Um, my own personal feeling is if we show that we're not afraid, the people of Clearwater won't be afraid. That's one of the reasons I ran, because for decades now, politicians have been afraid to mention the word Scientology and not saying the word, not trying to do something about it, just waiting for Scientology to stab us in the back again, hasn't really gotten us anywhere. So I felt if if I could stand up and, and say, I'm running for office uh, because this is a problem we should address, uh, it would encourage other people in the city to say, yeah, good. Finally, somebody's doing something about this and there's hope. Um, and and that message was essentially what got me elected. And I have a feeling there's probably going to be more people uh, running on the same platform. So we'll see if we uh, wind up soon with enough votes to actually take some action. Um, so it, it, we're living in interesting times and, uh, again, we've got so many 
horrible, horrible things going on in the country right now with, with the pandemic and with, as you mentioned, the, the, uh, the deaths of George Floyd and others over the years that have uh, caused people to rise up now and say, we're, we're fed up with this. I'm, uh, I'm going to actively do what I can on that situation as well. In fact, at the, um, at the city council meeting last night, there were people saying that we need to take action to, um, to change things within the city and the police department. And I said, I'm all in. And I've been talking to faith leaders in the African-American community uh, and told them I'll, I'll be there to help every way I can. And I, I, I want to make some actual change in the city. So uh, there's, there's a lot to deal with in the city. Scientology is, is one thing that I'm dealing with, but of course we, we cover all issues. And it's, it's exciting to see that change is possible. Um, and I'm happy to have a little part in it in whatever capacity I can. Yeah, it's it is a very and you know even even before we got on here and started recording, you know I I won't lie I I, I had a little bit of um I guess the word is trepidation, uh because you know it is you know I was thinking okay this is um like this is something I believe in right anti Scientology being a Scientology critic exposing it getting it out there so people know and you know all around the country there are like you said bigger problems than Scientology right now and sure. and so it was a little weird for me to be like okay because tomorrow I'm actually you know um I'm not on a city council I don't have necessarily the 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 kind of um uh power I guess is the word that 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 someone like yourself might have because you have a little more say in terms of you being active in that um, community, which is phenomenal. I have a podcast though. So tomorrow I'm actually going to be doing uh, a special episode where um, I reach out to a bunch of people. I put it out on social media on all my platforms and, and got a great response. And I just want to talk to people and, and, and share their perspectives on, you know, this issue of racism and, 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 and changing it, you know, because it's something that yeah. It's such a weird time because this is like this is not the first time. This is not the first time this something like this oh, has happened. God, no. But it's strange because this is the first time, and I don't know if it's because I have this platform now that I've actually felt compelled, like I actually can make a difference. And yeah, and it's very you know important to me. And but it's such a shame that this isn't the first time. It's such a shame that this is I can't like no one can name a number because it's no one knows. And it's just such a, everyone's walking on eggshells and, um, but you know, that's, that, that's awesome to hear that what you have this, this ability to make change, even if it's just in your community, but hopefully that change can, you know, stretch to the entire state of Florida, you know? And, um, yeah. are you, uh, yeah. I had a couple questions. Are you the first person, uh, just to kind of shift, uh, to a little more positivity here, are you the first person that Scientology has actively known about that's been a Scientology uh, critic that got elected to a to a to a like a city council or to any form of government? Um 
I don't know. I think uh, I, I think I'm the first well-known SP who's been on their uh, target list for such a long time, who's actually run for office. But there have certainly been people critical of Scientology who have been in office, uh, and Scientology tries what uh, whatever they can to destroy them. Now, I, my feeling is. Uh, a lot of politicians don't want to deal with it because, you know, they, they think it is the kiss of death to go up against Scientology because for, for many, many decades it was. Um, but that's not the case anymore. Uh, and, and I have to just uh, discuss something that you mentioned earlier when you said that uh, not all Scientologists are bad. Well, I believe most Scientologists are good. There's there's rotten apples in every group, um, and that's to be expected. Uh, the fact that I've met so many wonderful former Scientologists leads me to believe that there are so many wonderful Scientologists in the group. That and I I always try to make this point that. It's not when Scientology says despicable things about me. When individual Scientologists come up on the street, as for instance, uh, Paris Morphopoulos, who's the uh, president of the Downtown Development Board here now, when he came up in front of my camera in 2000 to accuse me of uh, sleeping with barnyard animals, or perhaps little boys, or he just wasn't uh, uh, comfortable with how fat I am. Um, I didn't provoke him. I didn't go up and say anything nasty to him. He approached my camera to share that with me because Scientologists are taught that anyone who, who criticizes Scientology is a criminal. All you have to do is dig up their crimes to silence them. So I've never blamed any of the Scientologists who said horrible things to me. I'm sure they're good people. I'm sure you know they have happy marriages and friends and and and, and you know I have no reason to say anything negative about them. Um, I have been fighting in essence for them to say. Listen, the organization itself, uh, I'm not trying to take it away from you. I'm not trying to take uh, Hubbard or Scientology away from you. I'm trying to stop the abuses built into Scientology by Hubbard that primarily target you. Um, and it spills out into the real world and uh, uh, sometimes and, 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 and affects the rest of us. But it's the humanity of this problem that fascinated me to begin with as I started studying more and more about how cults operate. And I don't call Scientology a cult anymore, but that just, uh, just in the overall essence of, of this um, process of joining a group and being indoctrinated. Um, and in case of Scientology, 
they tell you they're going to teach you to think for yourself. But what they're really doing is slowly teaching you to think exactly what L. Ron Hubbard thought, um, which is kind of insidious. But that doesn't mean that they're bad people. Um, and when some of these people who have approached me on Cameron and said horrible things, when they leave, they they contact me and say, you know, Mark, you were right. Um, thank you for having been there. And then there are always going to be people who, you know, will always believe in Hubbard and the tech, uh, and they're okay with it, and they and they don't want to think nicely of me. Well, you know, I can't do anything about that. Um, same way I look at the people at these peaceful marches. These are good people who have so much pain and grief and so many, you know, let's face it, uh, so much institutional uh, deck of cards stacked against them um, that, of course, you're going to be furious. Of course, you want action taken because it never is. Um, and the fact that there are some people who will be agitators who will exploit that and give them a uh, uh, give some of them a bad name. Um, I mean, it's shameful, uh, and and that should be stopped. But but the the message of respect. Um, <laughs> And equality, that shouldn't be dismissed because there are bad apples who show up at these things. Uh, and I, I that's the way I feel about Scientology. They're, they're good people. Okay, yeah, there's some dopes, I'm sure. Like there's dopes in the critic community. There's some people whose tactics I go, I look at and I go, well, geez, they shouldn't do that. And I don't want anything to do with that. But anyone who's calm and rational and wants to discuss uh, issues, I'm always happy to talk to, including Scientologists. If there are people in Scientology that, that want to talk, I'm always happy to talk. Uh, I'm not there to shout at people or anything like that. Uh, but it's important for us to, to start understanding and talk with one another. And uh, I think we've reached a, a tipping point now in the Black Lives Matters. Uh, you know, I've been watching so much coverage lately of this, and it's so painful. And I got home from our meeting last night where we addressed uh, the beginning of doing something here in Clearwater. And I, I turned on the news, and I saw the footage of the 75-year-old white guy who came up to the police or the military, whoever it was in those uniforms, who, you know, viciously knocked him to the ground. He hit his head and he started bleeding profusely. And they were willing to just walk on by after that. You go, where's the humanity? It's, I mean, if, if white people can't understand their brutality, uh, that uh, black people have been facing all this time. Can't they just look at that and imagine, well, what if that were your life every single minute of every day, where you're worried that uh, if you see an officer, well, maybe they'll come after you. Uh, it, it, it just astonishes me that we can't put ourselves 
into each other's footsteps. We can't understand the shared humanity that we have. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I come at that the same reason I came at the Scientology situation. Uh, except with Scientology, I thought no one's helping in this particular way with um, with video when I started. Um, and this is an issue that no one wanted to talk about. And I thought, well, here's an issue that I can help with. Not the biggest problem in the world, but for the folks who are being hurt by Scientology, and again, not everyone is hurt, but for those families who are torn apart, for those people whose lives are being ruined or their, or, or their uh, money is being sucked out of their bank accounts, someone should pay attention. And there have been other people to deal with other issues over the decades, including racial issues, where I think I'm an old white guy. What can I do? Uh, but I'm at a point now where I can do something. I'm on the city council. I I watched the marches across the world, and the march that I attended here the other day uh, in Clearwater, it was people of all races, people of all colors. And we were all standing up to say, enough. So I think we've reached a tipping point where change is possible. And I'm in a position where hopefully I can help affect some of that change. And I'm dedicated to doing it. Um, so I, I, I'm not trying to be pompous or say that, oh, listen, Mark's gonna come in and solve this problem. No, but I'm gonna listen to people and I'm gonna take action and try to help any way I can to make lives better, whether it's people being abused by Scientology or people being abused by the system. Um, it's all the same thing. How can we treat people this way? Yeah, yeah, it's, and uh, I I don't uh, want you to think that I was silent there and uh, I, I was just, I just oh, like- Oh, not at all. I just like to listen and, 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 and I took in everything you said there and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's such a, you know, it, it it's such a eggshelly time, you know, it's, we all have to watch what we say. And, 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 and if you say the, like, even something that could be misconstrued or taken out of context, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's such a shame. It's I like, know. you know, it's, I, I, I know, uh, I, I, uh, um, I, I'm sure there are people who will say, Mark, mind your own business. <laughs> you know, the, the way people uh, say about Scientology, man, you're you're going to be killed, um, but for God's sakes, we have to uh, we have to start speaking up. Yeah. We have to try to do something. And uh, I uh, I want to do that. Now, what is what is Scientology's response to what's going on right now? Because um, I had imagined that they would that they would say something right and and you would be aware of this because um this is something that is not just affecting you know one particular state this is all 50 states i mean there was a graph not that long ago where it showed 50 50 states and protests in all 50 states so what is scientology's response to 
to this? Or is there not a response that, that you're I, aware of? I have no idea if there's been a response from them or not. Okay. Um, I do know that they, they have been pushing to get into the black community. Um, they, they have Louis Farrakhan uh, uh, and his group uh, as part of Dianetics now. Um, so how, you know, how this all, how they're viewing this situation uh, in the world right now, I don't know. What they're doing about it, I don't know. I know that they have uh, you've been busy with uh, uh, COVID-19 handing out pamphlets as an overreaction to the fact that David Miscavige got horrible press um, when he was saying that it's a hoax. Um, he really said that? Well, he said something akin to that. And, wow. uh, and then he decided, well, Scientology is the only answer. Of course. Uh, yeah, he got some bad <laughs> press from from uh, uh, some first comments in front of uh, Scientologists. Wow. So now they're going overboard to say that we are the only people that can save the planet when it comes to COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. And all across the world, they're annoying people by passing out these uh, how to stay safe pamphlets, which are, you know, there's I haven't read it. I've got one here. Um, I don't think there's anything in there that's, that's terribly shocking. That's it's new. Just that people see <laughs> people see that it's from the Church of Scientology and they immediately get enraged. So you know they're they're doing something right. <laughs> they you know they got such a horrible reputation, and then they blame it on the newspaper. Well, no, it's it's because of the actions of your organization over decades oh. that you have this reputation. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, it, it probably somewhere in that pamphlet, it says instead of washing for 20 seconds, it's probably bumped up to 25 seconds. So it's more like a, like a revolutionary technique, you know, wash your hands for yeah. 25 seconds. We have yeah, the it's like your way to happiness. Hubbard came up with a way to happiness <laughs> booklet, which is essentially the 10 commandments, but he stretched it out to 30. And instead of thou shalt not kill, it says, don't, don't murder anybody. So, okay, thanks for the advice, Mr. Hubbard. Uh, yeah. And I, then they they distribute that around the world in times of crisis. Um, so they're probably, you know, they're probably trying to hand out way to happiness booklets at these marches uh, as well and things like that. But, um, you know, it's it's all part of safe pointing to say, look at all the good work we do. Well, yeah, that's why I asked, I, like, because I would imagine that they would want to, um, and this is a, a horrible word to use here, but to, to, to capitalize on this because they want to save their image. You know what I mean? They want to, and, yeah. and because like you said, and this is like, this is fact, you know, you know, especially after watching Leah's show, it's, it's, you know, Scientology is predominantly white. It's, it's, that's what it is. It's, uh, and, 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 yeah. and and they are trying to, you know, uh, extend their reach, but I mean, I don't know what the exact, uh, statistic is, but it's, it, it's definitely predominantly white. So, um, that's why I asked, like, is there a response to this? Because, you know, it's, it's again, they, something that I would imagine they'd want to, you know, capitalize on. And 
again, horrible word to use, but I mean, it's coming from Scientology. So, I mean, I feel like that, like that's a fair thing to say because. No, I think, I think you can safely use the word exploit. Exploit. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, when 9-11 happened. Uh, I remember watching um, the, uh, the service, the memorial service being held with President Bush and his family. Um, and every station was airing it. And there on Fox News, uh, there was a, a banner scrawling on the screen through the entire service. Uh, one of the messages that popped up repeatedly was for national mental health assistance, call this number, 1-800-FOR-TRUTH. And those of us who know Scientology went, wait a minute, that's Scientology's number. And we alerted them uh, at Fox News and they they took it down. But, wow, um, you know, they're trying to pretend that they're the National Mental Health Association. Um, so if you're if you're troubled during this time, please reach out to us. And when you do, you're you're actually calling Scientology uh, in their little recruitment method there. Uh, so they're shameless when it comes to an exploiting uh, moments of grief. Oh yeah, um, and and what's funny about it is uh, because I actually um, not that long ago I ordered off of Amazon through a through a third party because I didn't want to directly support Scientology, but I wanted to get my hands on the first book. I wanted to get my hands on Dianetics, and uh -huh. uh, so I bought a used copy of it. And uh, I just find it hysterical that it's that they still use the tagline the modern or it's the modern science of mental health. And sure. it was written in 1950, and it, it's it's almost coming up in in, in 30 years. That's going to be a hundred years old. Like I, I like to me, that's not. It, it, it's just funny how. Correct me if I'm wrong. That like that book has not been updated. That book like that book is still word for word what it was in 1950. Well, I um, mean, David Miscavige went uh, back and changed some commas, some and commas. they took out some things that were. Uh, embarrassing. Um, but it's largely the same nonsense that it was when L. Ron Hubbard wrote it. And if you want to believe in the nonsense, if you want to audit each other, if you, if you sit down with a friend and, and go through your past life experiences, I have no problem with that. Knock yourself out. Um, but there's no science in Dianetics. Um, it is uh, cobbled together uh, stuff that Alron Hubbard stole from other people and pulled out of his ass. Um, and it was um, a moneymaker for for him for the first time in his life in 1950 when, when it got published. But he screwed that up in a couple of years and kept uh, skipping out on investors when they opened up these Dianetics centers. So he fled from town to town for a few years till he lost the rights to Dianetics. So the copyrights went to one of his investors. Um, and that's when he had to create Scientology in 1953 and wrote to Cable, a co-worker, and said, how's everything coming on the religion angle? I know if we can get it approved, we can, I can make it stick. And he did make it stick. Uh, and, and they were so successful then that they were able to buy back the rights to 
Dianetics a few years later and weave it all back into Scientology. Uh, but yeah, the modern science of mental health is not a statement of empirical fact. It's a sales slogan. Yeah. Uh, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. It's such a rabbit hole. You know, I've talked to so many <laughs> friends and, and family members and I'm like, yeah, I've just gone down this rabbit hole of, of something that I never knew about. I think the, the furthest my knowledge extended back in the day was, oh yeah, I know that John Travolta is a Scientologist. I guess he he must love science, and so like that, that was where <laughs> that was where my understanding of it was, and yeah. you know it's you know it's but it's like anything else, and you know like that's something that I you know advocate for is if you if you don't know something then do a little digging and yeah, you might end up down a rabbit hole, but I mean that, that you can dig yourself out of that rabbit hole, but I've just decided to continue to go down this because it is, it is, it's sad. It's depressing. It's, it's, it's upsetting. It's, you know, enough to make you want to punch a screen or just like punch a door because like when you watch some of these episodes of, uh, of, of Leah's show, which I mean, I, I think that is like the, the magnum opus of, in terms of just getting it out there to a mass audience. I don't think anything else yeah. has ever really done what her show did. And, um, you know, I have to applaud her for that. And, you know, like you said at the beginning, whatever else her and Mike continue to do, um, hopefully you're a part of because, um, you know, you are a, a, like a key player in this now. Like, do you realize that? Like well, you are a key player? Uh, no, I just think I'm a uh, I'm a dude who had a camera. <laughs> uh, you know, I, whatever Mike and Leah do, I, I, I don't expect to be involved in it, but I, I certainly will be cheering them on and helping any way I can. Um, I, this is not um, an all-consuming part of my life. Um, I. I consider it a hobby and something I'm familiar with more than other folks and willing to talk about it. Um, I was listening to NPR years ago, and I remember them doing a story about some little fish in the ocean that was endangered. And they had a specialist on this fish come on the air to talk about this. And, and a, I remember thinking to myself, how great is it that somewhere in the world there's somebody who cares about anything? I mean, if you bring up a topic, there'll be somebody who understands it and is expert on it. And and that's the, uh, just a little bit of how I feel about myself with Scientology. I, you know, I, I don't consider myself an expert, but it's a fascinating story that I've read a lot about. And I've been interviewed about it, and and now I run for office uh, on that platform. But you know, when I think of my uh, myself, I'm a movie lover. I I, I love the theater. I, I love acting. Um. So. Uh, and there are other aspects of my personality that that you know I I, I think of, and Scientology is just kind of a an interesting sideline <laughs> that is not so much an advocation as uh, Scientology would like, uh, like people to think it is. 
Um, although it, it does consume a lot of my time now because at, you know, as we're recording this, I had to take a break. One thing that Scientology does, uh, uh, and they can do to me now, now that I'm an elected official, they uh, they do a records request. Um, every couple of weeks, there's a standing records request for everything uh, that anyone in the, in the city has, has uh, written down or, or talked about Scientology. They have to produce that. So now we're getting them directly from me. Any, you know, who have I talked to? Who have I, what, have, what emails have I sent out? What texts? So I'm in the middle of, of uh, once again, going through all my records and producing those, which is so time consuming. Scientology themselves, they have an, a, a pretty much unpaid army in the Sea Org. So if they have uh, things that need to be done, they can just tell people, hey, we're giving you 50 bucks a week and a place to sleep. Do this for me and stay up all night if you have to. Uh, I've got me. So it's kind of exhausting with everything else that I'm doing to, to, have, to, uh, to have to provide all of this. One, one fun thing, and, and I can't stop this from happening, but, uh, uh, you know, like, my friend Aaron Smith-Levin, I think he's feeding me disinformation that, that will get turned into Scientology. And I, I think that's wrong. But like he, he texted me something about uh, a movie being shot down here in uh, Clearwater, uh, a biopic of David Miscavige. But they're having trouble casting the actor to play the lead because they can't find anyone short enough. So I don't think that's true. I think he just wants me to submit that in a records request. Um, but I, I should check out with the attorneys whether uh, whether I should do that or not. Well, that's I mean, that's bizarre because I would imagine <laughs> this is this is my two cents on this topic because I do love film as well. So that's something that you and I share together. But I would imagine that if there was to be a biopic that was created about Scientology, you would probably only reach out to the the one person that is the most closely associated to it, that is the most popular person on the planet. It, it just makes sense to me that Tom Cruise plays David Miscavige, and he's actually a pretty short guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it, that, that does make a lot of sense, but I think Tom uh, saw the debacle that Battlefield Earth was. Um and probably would not want to associate himself with a Scientology-related movie. That's in it. That's... Yeah, that would be dream casting. I'm sure that's what David Miscavige is thinking. Oh, it better be Tom. Yeah, right. And that is that. That's something that 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 also blows my mind. The fact that uh, I would love to like a, like a like a full-length 60 minutes interview with Tom today, right now, talking about nothing but Scientology. And now I know that's not going to happen, but that is something that I am just waiting for that to come out. I'm waiting for, okay, you want me to talk about Scientology and not go kind of bonkers like I did with Matt Lauer or, or anybody else. I'll, I'll talk. And, you know, I've, you know, since going down this rabbit hole and, and finding out about the policies and everything, and then, you know, uh, you know, hearing from people that, you know, Tom himself has not, you know, seen his daughter. I, I've lost a lot of respect for that guy. And he used to be like, 
my favorite actor. I like, and I can't take anything away from the guy. He's incredibly talented, but sure. You know, it's just, it blows my mind that, uh, that a religion can, can, can make someone choose to not see their daughter. Like that is, if that's true. And again, I mean, I don't think there's that like been fact, but I mean, I don't think he's, he's not someone that's above the, the law quote unquote of, of disconnection. So, um, I would imagine that he hasn't seen his daughter. So, well, I, I think he probably could see her. Uh, and, and I don't know for sure that he hasn't, but yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it seems that way from, from all the coverage over the years, uh, there hasn't been a denial from him saying, no, I see her all the time. Um, there seems to be silence about that. Yeah. And that's awful. Um, that's awful. Well, yeah, it's true. It is awful. And, and that's uh, one of the abuses that, you know, got me interested in speaking out. When you breaking families apart. Exactly. When you, when you, uh, continue down this path of being part of city council, is there, is there any part of you that wants to move up? Do you want to continue down this, down this path, but not stay at the level you're at? Do you want to maybe go up to, um, I would imagine. Am like, I going to take over the slot of mayor? Yes. Am I, am, am I gunning for our mayor? No, not right now. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm trying to learn the system. Um, I've been fascinated by politics as an outsider. And there's, again, another thing that, that fascinates me, fascinates me probably even more than Scientology. And I spend more time just uh, following national politics, but, um, uh, as far as the nuts and bolts, how do we get things done? I'm still trying to find my way, um, around this system. Um, uh, I spoke for the first time at a neighborhood um, community meeting um, earlier this week. And I, I explained to them, listen, this is my freshman year as a, a uh, council person. I'm still learning the professor's names. I'm still trying to find my way around the campus. Uh, but but I'll, I'll try to help you every way I can. Um, so I'm not ready to assume uh, control of uh, the city, the state, or uh, the presidency yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm content uh, having uh, the ability to affect some change and listen to people and and try to solve some problems. Well, I am, you know, I don't, uh, this is our first interaction with one another, um, you know, but just based off of this and, and, and the, the interest you and I share between this, this one tiny little pebble in a sea of, of problems and issues, um, I would love to see you run for something, you know, uh, higher up on that, up on that pedestal, just because I know that you would, because, you know, it, it has infected you the way it's infected me. You would do everything in your power. And I imagine the higher you go up that ladder, the more power you have in terms of saying, all right, guys, remember when I initially said we're going to reach out to the FBI? Now we are reaching out to the FBI. And this is my call now. Yeah. Um, and that would just be awesome because, you know, like you said, this is this is not a huge problem, but for the people it affects, it's a huge problem. 
and yeah. that number is and, and it, i do think you know the scientology should be stripped of their tax exempt status and we need to be able to show uh the irs why they don't deserve that tax status um it it helps if somebody from the city uh is um, a contact person but uh i can do that as a council member i can still talk to them um it doesn't have the same weight as the full city uh, standing behind it, but there's nothing that prevents me from going to the FBI uh, or the IRS and um, pushing for change. Um, and the state government as well, county and state government, talking with the agencies, see what we can do. Um, and I'm just getting started. So, um, Scientology, I'm sure, is not happy at all um, that I'm elected, and they probably won't be happy with the results of the next election either. Um, but times are changing. Now, in your there was a sorry, no, sorry, go ahead. Uh, in I was going to say, in your lifetime, do you think you're going to see a clear water that is void of anything Scientology related, or not? No, no, no. I, no. I, you know, it, it, we're not going to chase them out of town and I'm not trying to chase them out of town. Um, you know, they, they, they have all these amazing buildings here. The ones that they purchased that they're sitting on, they should do something with those, um, instead of just holding them as a ransom to get what they want. Um, but what what we should do, and I think what we can do with a little time, is strip them of that tax-exempt status, which will bring needed money back into the city coffers that we can use on so many other important things uh, in the city. Um, I, I do think that Scientology uh, exploits the system with their tax exempt status. They didn't have it till 1993 and they got along fine. If they lose their full tax exemption again, they'll survive. But they've they've honestly come out recently and admitted that they don't have 10 million members the way they they have been saying for decades. They've now said that they've got tens of thousands of members and it's true. They're shrinking uh, and it's harder and harder for them to get new people because of the internet. They've got some wealthy people still in who are feeding them a lot of money. They've got a lot of property. So there's no way, you know, their budget dwarfs the city's budget. Um, so there's no way we're, we're going to chase them out of town. And, and that's not even anything I'm trying to do. Uh, I'm not trying to shame Scientologists or have people start protesting or, or you know, uh, giving Scientologists a hassle. I'm saying these are good people and we've got to find a way to work together where you're not intimidating members of uh, who aren't part of Scientology. Um, and And if you reform, maybe you'll gain the respect that you so desperately seek exactly yeah exactly and that's you know that's why i said i wish that he would just uh, uh david i wish that he would just 
talk because I feel like it would just put a little better taste in people's mouth. But yeah. Oh well. Um, it, you you know this is uh this has been this has been a lot of fun and 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 just hearing someone that does have a little bit more of an insight into it in terms of how it works because you are like I said headquartered there and that's the headquarters of of Scientology for the most part and um it's just uh and and having experienced what it feels like down there firsthand uh it's just something that blows my mind and 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 I'm happy that you're that you're continuing this pursuit and and to hear that you're not trying to chase them out of town but that you're just trying to you know get change to happen and that it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a place where both can live but as long as it's a a respectful and 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 good religion because i think that's the that's the part that it's that it's lacking in and uh i'm still waiting to get my my scientology cease and desist letter i haven't gotten it yet and i've talked to <laughs> and i haven't <laughs> because i because i've been blocked on social media i've been blocked on all their yeah. on all their accounts um, but I haven't gotten that letter cause I want to frame it. Like, like I really do. Like I want to like put it up on a wall or something because I'll feel like I'm in a exclusive club of don't talk bad about Scientology anymore. Um, well, listen, I've been doing this since 98 and I've never gotten a cease and desist letter. Really? So <clears throat> chances are you won't. Wow. Uh, but if I help, I'll send you, uh, a, an SP declare. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, of my own um uh <laughs> yeah you don't you don't have anything to worry about you you can uh talk freely anyone out there who's afraid they want you to be afraid it's okay they're not going to come after you um that fear is something that they've uh, they've been building on for decades since the group started uh but they're toothless that's crazy I, I you would be the first person i would think that would have gotten that letter of because you are like you were filming and 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 they know about you that's that's strange that you never got something like that well i mean i get think uh, i mean if you're talking about like uh, i've had my youtube channel taken down at one point uh and then put back up uh but that was more for copyright claims than anything else like, um, like I'm talking but, about but how no, they haven't they haven't banned me. Uh, like I'm talking about how Leah Remini got a bunch of that stuff. Like you know, like how it would be like the Church of Scientology has sent us a letter. That kind well, of well, that's big. Yeah, that's big news. Oh, okay. I mean, you're you're talking about uh, a woman who uh, has the respect of all these fans who have followed her for years. Um, and she's now coming out with knowledge of how Scientology actually operates to put on the stories of members who actually lived these experiences. Yeah, they're going to write letters to say it's lies, lies, all lies. But they're trying to intimidate the network into not airing what they consider to be lies. Uh, in my case, um, I'm just a guy uh, with a camera and a and a web page, so um, they don't really have much ability to to change anything I might say. Uh, instead, they just smear you. Um, but I have seen it 
I have seen it in action when I've worked at two TV stations in San Diego. Uh, I have seen the pressure put on from the inside when we did a story about Scientology at, at both stations, how Scientology has endless phone calls, uh, nonstop emails, appearances uh, knocking at the door to say, well, you can't put this on. These are all lies. So I have seen that. I haven't, I haven't personally seen them sending letters to me saying, oh, you, you shouldn't say that, Mark. <laughs> so um, it, it, you really have nothing to worry about. But uh, if you do get one, let me know. I absolutely will. I will uh, definitely uh, shoot you a message and be like, "Hey, look, here it is," and I'll, I'll, I'll happily, hooray! Yeah, I'll yeah, happily display it. If, yeah, if you if you get something like that, it's a badge of honor. It really is. So, um, and it's just been an honor to have you on here. So, I think that's a perfect segue. Uh, the last question, and this is something that uh, because if you were to like start a podcast, or if you were to start any kind of, well, you have your YouTube channel. Which what is the name of the YouTube channel? Well, uh, you know, if you just do a, a search for uh, Mark Bunker YouTube, you'll find it. It's it's youtube.com slash Mark Bunker. Oh, I think okay. youtube.com slash Xenu TV might get you there, too. But um, it's easy to find. Okay. Um, have you ever, like, flirted around with the idea of doing something with your last name, like DeBunker? <laughs> no. Uh, you know, people have suggested that or, or uh, over the years. Uh, I am uh, delighted that Tony Ortega, not in reference to me at all, turn, uh, calls his uh, blog The Underground Bunker. Uh, it was back in my post-college years when I was working at a radio station in Appleton, Wisconsin, um, I was a morning guy on the station and uh, also did a, a Saturday night uh, comedy show uh, with actors and sound effects and all that kind of stuff. And I called that the underground bunker. So it, it you know, I always enjoy seeing Tony using that. I've always felt uh, negative toward my uh, name because, um, you know, when I was growing up, big TV show all in the family with Archie Bunker. Yes. So there was a decade when I could not go a day without somebody saying, hey, any relation to Archie? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you get a little tired of that after a while. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate the tip. I'll, 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 I'll keep it in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And this is uh, this is this has just been fun to talk to you. So um, definitely we'll stay in touch with you and uh, just uh, hope that you know, that, that, that change we were talking about happens. And, um, cause clear water is beautiful for anyone listening that hasn't been down there. It's, you know, I, I can now say, cause I hadn't been there before. This is a, it, it, it's a beautiful area that just unfortunately has this dark cloud over it of, uh, of Scientology. So, well, Hey, if you want to come, uh, and create a, um, tourist destination for Scientology watchers, um, that's fun too. You know, come on down and and look at their buildings, and they have a welcome center you can go to once a week. They uh, they have public uh, tours that I'm not allowed uh, uh, into. But back uh, when I started looking into this in the late '90s in LA, 
I used to go to Scientology's buildings all the time before they knew who I was and just show up and say, well, what goes on in here? And they'd get, take me on a tour and, uh, and it was always a lot of fun. Um, so if you're, if you're curious what it's like to step in the doors, uh, come on down and visit and do that. Just don't sign up for a course is my suggestion. But if you decide you want to, I'm not going to stop you. Exactly. So take his advice, go down, go down and, <laughs> and, and, and contribute to Clearwater, but don't, uh, don't join anything. Um, thank you so much, Mark, for coming on here. Really, really. Thank you so much. Hey, Eddie, thanks for inviting me. Uh, and, uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.